Broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 Anajar and Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. Well, I, I, I've talked to our defensive staff, and, and um, you know, do you replace the player? Do you, you know, what, what do you do? I agree with you. We all see it. And those are the way we have to attack, attack those things. There are three turnovers there. You know, you look at the first drive against uh, 49ers, we had three sacks on one drive. And so we have to attack it as if it's a turnover and, and make some decisions. That is Urban Meyer. i got to be honest with you. If I'm the Jags, if I'm Urban Meyer, I don't want to say I don't care about the defense. But right now, it's so secondary because it's being dwarfed by just miserable offense. Mm -hmm. And so if you go give up 35 points to the Rams, so be it. Yeah. Give me 28 on the scoreboard for you and stop the stupid stuff on special teams. Like, that would be, like, it's it's really sometimes, like, you it, you lose and it's the way you lose, you know? Like, the way they, I honestly don't think, like, if they were to put up points, points, points and lose games like 31 to 28 and 34 to 31 and 35 to 32, I honestly don't think people would be as mad around here. Now, they'd still be mad because you hate losing, yeah. but at least, you know what that would be? Offense. That'd be Urban Meyer's offense. That'd be Trevor Lawrence's growth. That'd be dynamic stuff to at least hang on to. Well, right now, we've got a defense that's, you know what, playing probably above their pay grade, getting better. Is it something you can hang your hat on going forward? I said to somebody last couple of days, listen, I can easily see this defense being pretty good next year because if you add a couple free agents, a couple of draft picks, they've got some pieces. And then year two of this defense, some growth from Tyson Campbell well, and other guys, I bet they'll be a pretty good defense next year. And at least, but I almost don't care about that. Well, at least you have hope for the scheme. Yeah, true. Like, I mean, the defensive side of things, like the scheme, I think, yeah, you, you, you interject some more players in there, some better talent, and, yeah, I think you're going to be okay. And, you know, regardless of what it's looked like here, the, you know, the, the, the past 11 weeks, I mean, if you hold the Atlanta 21 points, you have a shot to win the game. Yeah. If you hold the Colts to 23 points, you got a shot to win the game. If you hold the, the, the Bengals to 24 points, you got a shot to win the game. Cardinals, 31 points. See, it's a lot, but, hey, it's the Cardinals. You might have a shot to win the game. Denver Broncos, 23 points. You got a shot to win the game. What you don't have a shot of doing is when you score 14 points, 10 points, 17 points, 7 points. You can't win a lot of ball games no. like that. Like They're you, lucky they won you, with 9. You lucked out because you won with 9, much to your defense's help as well. But you, you cannot sustain success if you're scoring. And I'm not sure what they're averaging per game right now. It's got to be one of the worst in the NFL, if not the worst in the NFL. But you can't have sustained success if you're putting up only 14 points, 10 points, 17 points a game. It's just not going to happen. Football at 5, Brent Martineau, Austin Lane, Casey Kurtz on a Monday. A decade ago, one of the wildest of news conferences. Shad Khan announces the new owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars, and, and Wayne Weaver was selling the team. And by the Jack way, Del Rio fired. Did you see that coming? When, when uh, Weaver was, I gotta go down? back in time a little bit. I, again, I think there were some rumblings like 24 hours, 36 hours before the announcement. But I think was more stunning that day is that we thought. Del Rio would get fired. I'm not sure we thought it was happening that day. Yeah, yeah. It was kind of like, all right, we, we thought we were there for the ownership announcement because by that time, word had started to trickle in. Everybody's like Googling who shot Khan. And I remember that. Uh, I don't remember thinking, hey, this year they're going to sell the Jags. Like, I don't think there was like, hey, he's actively looking to sell the Weavers. Sure. But it made some sense. And 
But I don't think anybody expected, hey, we sold the team. And by the way, Jack Del Rio's fired. <laughs> and Mel Tucker's taken over. Yeah. Like, that was... That was wild. Yeah. Now look at 10 years later, Mel Tucker's getting a 10-year deal for about $100 million at Michigan State. Yeah. Woo-hoo. Good for him, man. Wow. Uh, life comes at you fast. It does come at you fast. Uh. The record is awful for Shad Khan as owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Mm-hmm. It's been Mike Malarkey. It's been Gus Bradley. It's been Dave Caldwell, Tom Coughlin, Doug Marone, Urban Meyer. And it hasn't changed. I mean, outside of the one year where everything popped, which, by the way, we can't just say it was a lost year. I mean, that was a big year. It was a big-time year. Uh, Like, I'm not sure my kids would be a fan of the team if not for that year. (laughs) Seriously. Like, I'm talking about that generation. I'm probably being a little dramatic, but generation at least got, like, you lured them in a little bit with that season. Yeah. But one out of ten isn't going to be a success in any business nope okay so the wins and losses is a major concern and problem and something you can't hide it's been they've been bad under shot Khan, and they really weren't great at the end of the wayne weaver era but in a crazy way they were better yeah but do you look so there's the football side of things it's been a disaster how much of it's on ownership how, how much does ownership wear that? I think that's more debatable, although it's under Shad Khan's resume, right? Yeah, I mean, it's you're the owner. So, then, I mean, it, it all falls on you. Whether, you know, you, you have the X and O knowledge or, or not, I mean, you know, it, it, it does start with you. If you're asking me how much of the blame goes to Shad, like, th- I believe Shad Khan wants to win. I don't believe that you become a million, uh, a billionaire, excuse me, and you don't have that killer instinct. You don't have that mentality where it's like, I got to be successful in whatever I do. Okay, like that's that's how you become a billionaire. You have to understand that. There's not a lot of those in, the, in this world. They're, they're a special type of people um, that they're wired a different way. So, yeah, I I still believe wholeheartedly that Shad Khan wants to win. Yeah, you sure. You, you want to make a return on your investment as well, but you want to win because if you win, then you get the return on your investment. So I think in terms of, you know, if you want to go back to, you know, how it all started, you know, with, with Malarkey, I always said I, I was a Malarkey fan, right? I, I have a lot of respect for him as a coach, the way he went about things because he kind of had that old school demeanor. And, and that just, from, from my perspective, I know it rubbed some other players the wrong way. I, I enjoyed it. All right. I, I just I respected the way the guy coached football. Now, it didn't work. Maybe some promises were made that didn't transpire, whatever the case. But he's gone after a year. OK, I get it. You know, you're you're new shot con. You want to go in a different direction. Sounds good. So then you go to Gus Bradley, who, you know, he was kind of, you know, in, in terms, I'm sure the interview, probably the best interview you ever sat through. Right. <laughs> I mean, the, the, the guy's got energy for days, a great person, salt of the earth, a great human being. You know, you go through the whole Gus Bradley experiment, doesn't work out here. You know, and then you go with the whole and Doug you know, Murrow. that's one you want to work, right? Of Everybody course. wants Gus to win. Of and course. You, they hang, hang on longer than of a course. lot of fans want them to. Of course. And then, you know, with Dave Caldwell, then it's what well, it is built, and, you know, it wasn't obviously built. I mean, it's just, there, there's so many just little points in time, it seems like, the past 10 years that Shad Khan's been here, that you, you can look to and be like, well, that wasn't good. Well, that wasn't good. Well, that wasn't good. Well, the, the right English should have been on the wall. You know, like, 
hindsight's twenty twenty, and then the whole Tom Coughlin ordeal and Doug Marone, like who was running the show, chain of communication, should Shad Khan have come in and maybe, you know, took a little more control? Yeah, probably. But like the the general consensus of what all these mishaps have in common, set aside from 2017, where you know you had success, is the fact that the chain of command was off and you just didn't know how to operate things. Now, whether that's on Shad Khan, whether that's on the people that Shad Khan put in charge to run things, but there has to be some kind of responsibility that, that falls on the owner because this is this is your show at the end of the day, and it hasn't been a good one the past decade. No, it hasn't. Listen. Uh you can't run from that. I mean, I love Shot Khan. I think he's really good for the organization, uh, for the city, for a lot of different things. And that's why I think it's a, a bit, you, you can't run from the record. And he obviously has learned as he's gone. I mean, he was new to the sport of football. This is not what he was familiar with. I think he's as admitted as such. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I still don't think he's a football guru. Uh, and 10 years later, we now have a situation where there's actually a guy who's been around football all his life but still learning the NFL game in Urban Meyer. Yeah. And that's been more of a transition than I really thought it would be. But it's an obvious transition. And so right now it looks like every move that Shad Khan has made just doesn't work. Gus Bradley, Dave Caldwell, they were both new. Yeah. Didn't work. I think he actually was right on pulling the plug on Gene Smith quickly. I don't know about malarkey. That was really fast. But Gene Smith it was because there had been enough evidence that it wasn't going well. But then he goes to first-year guys who had done some good things and might continue to do good things in the profession but made a lot of mistakes here in Jacksonville. Then he goes in the rewind machine. And he goes to Tom Coughlin to run everything. And it wasn't, was it because he went to Tom Coughlin and that was kind of taking you back to yesteryear and we're on to a new age of the NFL and that didn't even pass Tom by? Or was it because he gave him full control of everything? Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden things happened like maybe the Yannick Ngakwe deal, you know, that didn't happen and he's playing somewhere else. Stuck with Caldwell through those years, still making draft selections. Stayed too long, maybe with Doug Marone. And now goes to Urban Meyer. And by the way, this is very much like the Gator situation with Billy Napier and Strickland, where it's like, I got my guy in mind, and I'm going to get my guy. And that's what this was for for Urban Meyer. He's like, I got Urban Meyer in mind, and I'm going to get him. And by the way, I applauded that effort, because if that's your guy, he went and got him. And there were a lot of people that tried to get Urban Meyer. Mm -hmm. And he went and got him. But right now, that's not looking like the best thing it hasn't worked out really well in year one no so everything it seems like it's just kind of like not worked out from a football perspective so much so that it's got me thinking okay he's tried old he's tried new he's tried young he's tried he's tried he's tried experience he's tried a great college coach he's he's tried the ceo he's tried the all these things it's like is it something in the building well and and, and that's where (laughs) if i was owner I, i would be at right now because to me, the Urban Meyer hire, it was like, it was like the last ditch effort. It, it was the Hail Mary. Because, and I always say this, to be successful, sometimes you got to think outside the box. I think the Urban Meyer hiring was, it wasn't the safest pick, but it was the outside the box thing that you needed. It, it was the spark to get a fan base excited. And let's be honest, remember, remember that? 
Remember those days? Listen. Remember all the excitement? I, I can't run away from it. I thought it was a good hire. Yeah. Well, and I, I did as well. I'm not disagreeing here. Like, I was excited because it's, it was something different, and it was outside the box. But where I'm at now, like, if I'm Shad Khan, I'll, I'll be honest, Brent. I don't know what to think now because what else can I do? Because I've literally done it every single way. And if I look at my clip right now, I think I'm out of bullets, man. Like, I, I don't know what else I can put in and be like, okay, well, let's try, maybe this isn't going to work out. Let's try this. What else can you do? You, you, you tried, you tried the, the motivational, like you said, you tried the motivational guy. You tried the more reserved guy with Doug Marone. You had Mike Malarkey. You've gone with the outside-the-box college guy and Urban Meyer. You've literally tried everything. And not only did it not, well, so far with Urban Meyer to be determined, but everybody else, not only did it not work, it was a disaster. Set aside from 2017. I don't know. Like, if I'm Shad Khan or if I'm advising Shad Khan right now in the realms of football and this one doesn't work, I don't know what I'm going to say to him. I have no idea. You know, and so here's – so there's the football side. I want to ask you this. I want you to think about it. What's the biggest mistake of the Shad Khan era so far? Somebody asked me this recently, and we differed on it. Um, so I want to get your thought on it. But what's the biggest mistake, the one that was like, um, why did he do that? Like, I'll often say Gus Bradley's biggest mistake was hiring Jed Fish, right? It, sure. it was four years of – there was mistakes, so a lot of different places. But that set the tone to – it was wrong decision Yeah. What in your offense. So what was the biggest mistake for Shad Khan? And while you think about that – I got it. I will say there's other things about Shad Khan's ownership that I actually think are very good. I think, one, he wants to be in Jacksonville. Mm -hmm. And you could find a lot of different owners – and sell this team, and they would pick it up and get out of Jacksonville. That is a real thing. He wants to make it in Jacksonville. He wants to make it work. And then you look at the stuff that he's tried to do around the city, things that he has done to the stadium with his own money. I think you look at that stadium on a game day, I think bringing Mark Lamping in has been very good. He's a smart man. He knows how to do this business. And, I mean, they have had their hands tied in that business office. So I think he has some really smart people. Not enough. Mm -hmm. From football side and probably even business side. I think they need more of them inside that building. And and that's Shad Khan's job is to get more of those inside that building and make the right calls or somebody, or at least have somebody make the right decisions. But I think you look at the stadium. I think you look at what he spent on. I think you look at he's willing to spend in free agency when the time comes. He is not like a cheap owner. Mm -hmm. Keep in mind, the Weavers are unbelievable around here. I always think they should be on the, the Mount Rushmore of everything for bringing this team to Jacksonville. But they got very... Wayne Weaver, the story was, get pretty cheap down the stretch because obviously in his own mind, he was looking to sell. Correct. And at that time, you're talking about a $700 million organization, not a $2 billion organization. And also a guy in Wayne Weaver who doesn't have the pockets of even Shad Khan. I mean, one of the richest men in the world. So I'm not saying he ran on the cheap all the time, but toward the end, things got a little tighter inside that building. And that might have been some of the reasons why things started to go to part a little bit uh, uh, in, in the later years of Wayne Weaver's ownership. Money's not a problem in this ownership. Like, I, and I never believed for a minute that people are like, well, he's lost all these games and he's three times the value. That's what he's all. I don't think he cares about that. Mm -hmm. You know, one thing about people with money, whether they show it or not, they also have an ego. Of course. And we all do. Yes. And I would think right now that Shad Khan wants to win more than anything you because would, he you hates would hope that's it. the case. Hates it. Yes. Having this record attached to his name mm -hmm. because the guy hasn't lost 
many battles <laughs> in no. his life. He's lost some, just not as uh, highly publicized as these. Uh, and he usually but, but ends he up on the winning side. He hasn't lost as bad. You know? Yeah. So I think there's a lot from the city to the organization to the, to the investments to where he wants to take the place, like where his vision and kind of like his heart is, if you will, is all good. But sooner or later, you got to get it done on the field. And they have just been miserable on the field outside of the one year. And like I said earlier, one out of 10 ain't getting it done. I mean, one out of 10 in any walk of life is not getting it done. So uh, they have got to figure this out and, and figure it out soon. And I don't know if this doesn't work out. When you have Trevor Lawrence and you bring in Urban Meyer, I don't know what the answer is. But there have been many organizations that have gone through coaches and quarterbacks and coaches and quarterbacks and longer than this, by the way. I know people don't want to yeah, hear that, but uh, longer than this. Yeah. But, I mean... And, and, and listen, we're, we're still a long ways away from talking about what type of quarterback Trevor Lawrence is going to end up being. But it just felt like the stars aligned perfectly, you know, for the Jaguars to finally make that turn and to be better, right? Like, you, you got the vibe when the New York Jets lost, I'm sorry, won that game, and the Jaguars lose. It's like, okay, finally. Like, the, f the football gods are looking down on us and shining. Go ahead and tank these last couple games. James Robinson, you're going to sit out here. It's fine. Brinko goes to the bar and celebrates with his <laughs> co-host, and it's fine. You know, and now, truth be told, I wasn't the one that... And I want to go back to this. I know. You I were, was never the guy that no. said, you should tank because it's bad juju. It's bad vibes. <laughs> I don't want to say I told you so, but I got some sage in here in case you want to burn some yeah, later. Yeah, I might need to. You asked me, you know, probably the worst decision or, like, I guess the worst moments that Shad Khan has been a part of so far in terms of, you know, his decision-making. I get when you're a new owner and you start brand new, sometimes things don't go your way, right? So, like, I, I don't look at malarkey. I don't even look at Gus Bradley. Like, okay, you, 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 you took a risk, didn't work out, all right, you cut ties, you live, you learn, and you move on. But to go to an AFC championship game one year and then the next year have it look like it did, that's not supposed to happen. Everybody has a window in the NFL. It's, it's, it's a league of parity. With salary caps and the draft, everybody is going to have their moment in the sun. But you're not supposed to have only one season to have that moment in the sun. It's supposed to be you know, carried on through at least a couple of years. That wasn't the case here in Jacksonville. So as you analyze the problem, you ask, all right, 2017, you know, Miles Jack wasn't down one play away from going to the Super Bowl. Where did it go wrong from there, 2018? And to me, it was Tom Coughlin, it was Doug Marone, and it was the chain of communication from Shad Khan and how that was all set up, right? And not everybody being on the same page. That, to me, has been Shad Khan's biggest mistake right now because we saw Doug Marone in those press conferences, not answering questions, looking down the hall saying, hey, I don't know. And then you saw Tom Coughlin kind of go rogue a little bit and do his own thing. And then eventually Grievance Gate was established from that, and it all went downhill from there. So if you're asking me what was the defining moment that really Shad Khan should have fixed right away and should have addressed, it was the communication between himself, between Tom Coughlin, between Doug Marone, and that team. Yeah, it's, it's interesting you bring that up. That's a, that's a wild thing, and I didn't put it as broad as maybe as that. But if a lot of people, when they ask this question, people will say Dave Caldwell. Okay. Yeah. All right. I People you. say Dave Caldwell. I don't. I, I. And maybe they're right. I'm not saying they're they're wrong. Mm -hmm. But to your point, I say Tom Coughlin. And I don't mean Tom Coughlin's unbelievable. Should be a Hall of Famer. Mm -hmm. But here's why I say it. I say it because, you know, the first few years, if you lose as an owner, it's you're new to it, and you tried something that didn't work. That's okay. 
whatever. I view Shad Khan as a visionary guy, what he's trying to do with the city, what he's done in his businesses. And he hired Tom Coughlin, who was really at the end of his career, to try to go rekindle something from 20 years ago, essentially. And you could argue his best move was Tom Coughlin because they went to the championship game. But his worst move was also Tom Coughlin. Why? Because it created this atmosphere where you couldn't keep guys who you're playing this Sunday, like yeah. Jalen Ramsey, like Yannick Ngakwe. It also created an atmosphere where he was the czar, and he was the czar over decisions like Leonard Fournette. And again, you can put Dave Caldwell in this conversation. That's fine. But they brought, remember, remember the quote at the press conference was, we're bringing Tom Coughlin in. We still like Dave Caldwell. He's in his formative years. What does that mean? Well, we're bringing this guy in to make all the decisions and steer this guy in the right direction mm -hmm. if he's making the decisions. Mm -hmm. So as many people want to put it on Caldwell, and they should, you should also put it on Coughlin because he had the veto power. Mm -hmm. He was the czar. And so he said, Fournette, okay, again, I'm a big believer that Fournette helped you get to 17. Mm -hmm. That was a good move. You passed on Watson and Mahomes. Bad move. That's not a visionary look. Mm -hmm. That's not a down-the-road look. What else did you do? Gone Ramsey. Gone Ngakwe. Grievance gate. Mm -hmm. What else did you do? Well, you were the one that stamped Blake Bortles to a two-year deal. Mm -hmm. Well, you were supposed to come in and say, no, I've seen this story before around the NFL. I've been in the NFL for 30 years. This guy's not going to cut it. We got to move on. Mm -hmm. They didn't. So that's where I think, where I envision Shad Khan as this visionary guy taking the franchise into the future. Even the London stuff was a little bit ahead of the rest of the league on doing that. Mm -hmm. By the way, the rest of the league wants the money over there. Shad Khan got some of that. And, and part of the franchise's economic uh, makeup, if you will. But this visionary guy went back to the well with Tom Coughlin instead of getting to this, be ahead of the curve. Mm -hmm. And we are yet to see him be ahead of the curve in his football decision-making and his hires. And that has hurt this organization. And again, I don't want this to come across like, man, I Tom Coughlin, he's ruined the organization. I don't believe that. But I do believe the whole idea of it, the concept of it, the going back and the czar of everything football and just tell me how it's going instead of communication to your no, point. for sure. Certainly hampered this organization. You went very few times you have that kind of talent on the roster. Well, like, you, yeah. And you could have been Buffalo. Instead, you stayed at the quarterback spot. And then you got rid of that talent blow by blow uh. because of the, the atmosphere around here. And so I think it was that move that really set the organization back. Now, years down the road, it gets Trevor Lawrence. Mm. Does Trevor Lawrence save this organization eventually? That's a book that is yet to be written. But so far, the Urban Meyer hire is not a success. Yeah. And so that is one that keep your fingers crossed because it almost needs to be. Because if Urban Meyer is not a success at what they're paying him and how long he probably will stay, some three, four years at a minimum, mm -hmm. well, then that means Trevor Lawrence isn't thriving if it doesn't work out. And that is going to be a major issue. And Urban Meyer will be the latest on a bunch of misplays on the football side of things for Shad Khan. Yeah, it's just... It's so wild because, uh, and I understand, right? When when, when you talk to, but when you talk, I talk about like you know, the Jaguars aren't the only team to go through this, right? You have the factory of sadness in Cleveland. You have the Detroit Lions. I mean, yes, th this happens to some teams, but I don't know if it's ever happened to the point where you have success in 2017 and go and go and call it a fluke if you want to, 
But that team was talented, okay, on offense and especially on defense. Like, that team had talent um, to, to back up the hype. They had talent to say, you know what, maybe it wasn't so much of a – um, of a one-shot thing. It was, maybe it was just the fact that they played great football because then after that, then guys got hurt, guys let whatever the case may be, okay? But it's not supposed to happen like that. And I'm not sure if in NFL history, if it's gotten to the point where you go to a championship game and then, I don't know, the next five years or whatever, the four years, it looks like this. Mm. Like, that's... Teams are going to struggle. Teams are going to be in the basement, yada, yada, yada. But eventually, when teams come out of the basement and, and they reach new heights and go to championships you don't go back down to the basement right away and, and that's where you are right now and a lot of that like we were talking about has to be attributed to tom coughlin in terms of losing the locker room losing the culture and losing your players yeah and by the way i don't think it's just tom i think no, it's caldwell it's, i think it's uh, marone i think it's the communication you mentioned yeah. a big one that communication when for a couple years we had no idea who was really making the decisions there are five people that could have been making the decisions so yeah. you're right and and you know when you go to that championship game the teams that then take a step back usually are teams that have really loaded up on older players sure. and are making one last run like Rams, Tampa, we'll see you later. Yeah, yeah, yeah or yeah, somebody like that yeah. goes down the elevator shaft well you you get it right they, sure. they were making a run that's not what the makeup of that team was mm -hmm. and i still i still can't believe the one move coughlin that i can't believe is that he stamped bortles See, I think Shad Khan hired Tom Coughlin to not stamp Bortles. Yeah. And they did it anyway. Yeah. That's a move that Caldwell would have made. It's his guy, but he was supposed to veto that move. Mm -hmm. And he didn't. And then we ended up here. But thankfully, we have Trevor Lawrence, I think. Now I'm depressed. It's awesome. Great, great exercise, Brent. Well, listen, I think there are still positives to take away from the ownership of Shad Khan. No, for sure. And I yeah. think he means, uh, I, I, I think eventually it will happen. Yeah. But eventually, were hasn't happened in, in 10 in years. We're good. We'll be back. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 6. We all did. We all thought it was a free play. I didn't hurt over my head, uh, my headset free play, and then it turned out we covered up a tight end on, uh, on the play. So, you know, it's, uh, you're down on the one-yard line, have a chance to stop them, and we did stop them, and then we gave them a, a first down. So, yeah, that's what we thought. And that is Urban Meyer talking about uh, the Jags. I think that sequence, was that the sequence where they jumped off sides? They pinned them pretty deep, and then they jumped off sides on the, on the punt. Uh, team, You know, I said this today uh, on Twitter because I don't think the Patriots are great from a roster standpoint. Do we all agree, like, they're an okay roster? Agreed. Like, there's nothing, like, you could name 10 rosters that are probably better than them. Agreed. Sure. But they're obviously one of the best teams in the NFL right now. In fact, they are the best team in the NFL right now over the last six weeks. Okay. No? I mean, yeah, I think they're up there. It went six I, I, in a row, and they're just, yeah. as you would say, molly-whopping people. Curb-stomping. Yep, for sure. Who's better than them right now in terms of playing in the last six weeks? Not who you would pick. Yeah. But, like, who's on yeah. a better... I mean, Tennessee was this way for the until the last two weeks. What have the Chiefs been doing lately? Chiefs, right? Chiefs are winning. Yeah, okay. They didn't play weeks. last week. Yeah. Okay. Right. I mean, Indy's been killing people, too. Yeah, Indy and San Francisco look like they're on the rise. But, again, yeah. we're talking six weeks no, for I the Patriots, you, yeah. you know? Well, I told you, I mean, New England in, in, you know, in the fall, they're a different team. Like, when, when playoff seedings are on the line, like, they're just a different team. So, so what I'm getting at really is 
They are obviously well coached. Correct. This is a comeback year for Belichick <laughs> in that sense. Mm -hmm. They're getting great play out of some of their free agent signings like Hunter Henry and uh, uh, Matthew Judon. Yes. Some of their draft picks, Mac Jones, the running back, uh, Barmore out of Alabama. Mm -hmm. So they're getting those are good uh, acquisitions, draft, free agency. But what I think is their IQ as a football team is so good. And some of that is well-coached, but they also get smart players. Like, I really think Bill Belichick would rather have five smart players than super talented players. Mm -hmm. And he's like, I can, I'd rather work with this. Now, now Gronk says what's up. <laughs> yeah, but see, that's the thing. I'm not saying he's smart like SAT smart. Maybe he is, dude. Maybe he's, maybe he's just... But, <laughs> and by the way, you could argue that Gronk's smarter than all of us. Right, and no, the way hey, he's, he's marketed himself and everything else. Yeah, but can you get him off the commercials? The, the commercials are so bad. The the, the whatever commercials are bad. The the, the navy what is it? The navy credit union, whatever. Navy it is? federal. Oh. Yeah. I but almost it, feel like they make him like. Oh, bust I'm it. almost giving him the credit that they're making him sound dumb. Maybe, but like if you're like the director, they wrote it stupid. If you're the director of that though, don't you got to go? Like, hey, Rob, I know we only got you for a little bit. Can we get another take though, please? Because that that was like a BTV quality. Yeah, I don't know. that's tough. So, is it? The bottom line is, I think Gronk's an IQ guy, though. He knows where to go. He knows how to play the game. He sure. knows he's got instinct. To, like, not everybody has that. Like, I'm convinced in sports, like, you don't have that. Like, you either so, have it or you don't. You don't coach that, I don't think. No. New England is different. And I think I've told this story before, and I'll tell it again about Bill Belichick. Not going to name my former teammate's uh, name because I don't want to put him on the, blast here, but former teammate of mine goes to New England, uh... As a free agent, just he, he cleared waivers, signed with New England. First day, going up to meet Bill Belichick. He's walking through the hall of the practice facility, and there's like there's pictures everywhere of, of guys. You know, I mean, obviously he went to how many Super Bowls, so uh, there's pictures of guys hoisting the trophy. Bill Belichick comes out of the office, greets this guy, and says, first thing he says to the guy, points to a picture, says, "Who is that guy up there, holding a Super Bowl trophy?" And this is an older picture. My, my former teammate goes, "I'll be honest, I don't know who that guy is." Bill Belichick goes absolutely ballistic. He says, you have 24 hours to know all these guys on the wall. If you do not, and I'm, I'm obviously paraphrasing here, your, your blank and blank blank is going to be gone, and you will be cut that day. I'm going to quiz you tomorrow. If you don't get it, you're gone. This, is, this isn't football stuff we're talking about. This isn't X's and O's, know your job. This is the history of the organization. This is knowing who's come before you. That's the kind of shit that Bill Belichick runs. So if he's that adamant about the history of the New England Patriots, what do you think he's going to be like when the X's and O's, when you're not doing your job? If you do fumble a football, if you do make a mistake, how is he going to act then? Needless to say, this guy ended up getting the questions right, was on the team for a little bit. Was he? But he, but he said he's never been so scared his entire life. Yeah. Literally, usually when you, when you, when you get there to a stadium, hey, how you doing, where you from, you know, nice to meet you, glad to have you here. Yeah, and you say, who's this guy on the wall? And they yeah, tell you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Well, I, mean, I don't know, it's Ty Law. It can be a hard one, but like, what, what other coach in the right mind is going to go, okay, so the, you know, the, the, the nice to meet you are over. Either you get this stuff down or you're, you know what is gone tomorrow. Yeah. Like, that's the introduction of Bill Belichick. That goes to show you just in terms of X's and O's, I think, and in terms of accountability, how much you have to be um, on the same page. I don't think you get that every other football team. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. And, and by the way, that in a weird sense is kind of a college thing. Yeah. I want you to know the history of what's going on here. Sure. I want you to know that 
this game against Michigan matters more than anything else. Yeah. yeah right? Yeah. That is a little bit of that feel because when I look at Belichick, I don't really – so many people want to study Belichick. Mm -hmm. Urban Meyer studied Belichick, Belichick and Carroll and other. I see Carroll as the guy who will do the plus-two mentality stuff. I don't really see Belichick as that guy. Like, is he the rah-rah, pump you up with those kind of things and sayings and stuff on the wall? I don't see that. Maybe he does. Like, mm -hmm. maybe he does these kind of videos and things like that because maybe all coaches do it <laughs> to some yeah, degree. I mean, it is. Yeah. Right? It's kind of a, you a have thing. some sense of motivation. Uh, so this is not a criticism of Urban Meyer in that sense, but how do you create that culture? Well, anybody who walks in that building now knows the culture. We all know the culture. We know if we walked into the Patriots building... We'd probably stand up a little straighter. Yeah. <laughs> right. For real. And we'd probably know the people on the wall because yeah. we know what the Patriots now are all about. Mm -hmm. But how do you create that? Well, you got to win to help create it. And so this, this is juxtaposition. It goes together, really. Like, you have to win and create the culture. Yeah. So right now, is Urban Meyer creating a culture? No, because they're losing. Mm -hmm. He's not. Like, if he is a culture creator, which I think he has been, yeah. and you can argue he's very good at but He's not doing a good job of it because you no. have to win while you do it. But but you made a great point, though, in terms of the IQ. That's who the Patriots are. I remember my junior year at Murray State. You know, this is when the when the scouts first started getting a little wind of me and started coming visiting. You know, I mean, maybe, like, so they come for practice, right? So they come watch on a Wednesday, a practice, and after that you meet with them in a room by yourself. Like, 20 minutes was the rule, and then you have to go. I met with maybe 10 scouts. Only one scout who I was the biggest you know whatever but i get it now made me go on the board and like try type in like write up everything for my defense i go, I go dude i i have a pad on my wrist that tells me the plays you think i know what, what the safety is doing in this play you think i know what the linebacker is doing in this play no i look at my, my wrist it says okay uh i have this gap and i'm good to go but like that's they, they want to know all that stuff. So that was the so patriots guy that was, that was a patriots guy interesting and, and you know when i couldn't answer the questions he was not thrilled about it yeah yeah so they are I, I, do you think it's coaching? Do you think it's culture? Or do you think it's the player that has the IQ, like th that makes you a smart? I, do you need seven players on the defense that's good at instinct? No, so it's, it's definitely the player, but it, it's it's the willingness to learn, though. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think the Patriots, yeah, you have to have the high IQ guys, but you have to have the willingness to learn as well. Yeah. And, and that takes a special type of guy. The one thing, by the way, that's really missed about the 2017 Jags defense, I'll say this all the time, those are high IQ guys that know the game but also are super yeah. talented playing fast for the Jacks. Yeah. They knew the game. Yeah. They didn't they might be made an extracurricular play, but they didn't make many out of place other sure. than Jalen maybe freelancing at times because he wanted to make another play. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. No, I just, you know, James is a grown man and I just lucky, you know, just talk to him about locking up elbow and clamping up that's our terminology that we use to lock the ball down uh, and then he came back and ran you know had some decent runs in the second half he still doesn't look like he's full speed to me but uh yeah that was just the conversation with him urban meyer and james robinson here's the deal james robinson does not have a fumbling problem this is not a problem he fumbled once in like 400 carries he's fumbled twice in two years like that happens in the nfl mm -hmm. and by the way i disagree with urban I thought he did look more of himself yesterday. I thought he did show some, I don't know about oh, the, explosiveness. The, the but one catch that he had, though? The catch and then the tiptoe yes. down the sideline for 26. Looked pretty explosive. I thought he got the edge better than he did, like, two weeks ago. San Francisco, I thought he did look like he was kind of plodding along a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, we know Indianapolis, he came back, and he was trying to find himself, and he looked better in the second half. I thought yesterday he looked as healthy as he's looked 
in six weeks, yeah. five weeks. And so I disagree with her. Now, again, they know what that looks like better than me, but I, I disagree with that assessment. I mean, I thought he was hitting the holes. I thought he was pulling people with him. I thought he was running over some people, running around some people. Mm-hmm. I, I, I thought he hit the hole hard again. I mean, so... I saw some of that explosiveness. I, I didn't see I did what they well. see there. No, uh, I did as well. I thought, you know, James Robinson made some some big steps, you know, in terms of explosiveness. Um, and like I said, that catch, I mean, really, I think, displayed that. You know, I understand that the goal of this season from now on is to try to get Trevor Lawrence some confidence and, and, and to build that up so, you know, we're, we're happy going into the offseason. But I think a, a 1B, a very close second place, has to be just make James Robinson happy, please. I mean, I mean honestly, I, I, I can't stress this enough. This will eventually be Trevor Lawrence's team. Um, this will be, you know, his, you know, he, he will be the captain of the ship. No doubt about it. But right now, your best player on offense and quite possibly the best player that's been playing well all season is James Robinson. And I can't stress it enough. I hope that you keep that guy happy. Yeah, you know, on top, I thought about that uh, last night. I think it was... I think James Robinson and Trevor Lawrence, the communication with those guys is important. Mm-hmm. Because right now I see, honestly, I see two unhappy guys. Mm-hmm. And I see all this stuff around them. And I thought about this. <laughs> this is bad. I was really negative yesterday in my mind. But I thought, what, what if you're James Robinson's agent? Could you seriously say, hey, don't sign me to a long-term deal? In fact, if you can trade me, it'd be better. Doesn't seem like these guys want me around here. And you draft an ETN, yeah. and I might even be used less. Be now, could you see that happening? I, I, I don't. I'm not saying he's going to. Especially, they're going to be willing to throw some money at him. I would think. But the other one I thought of, Austin, is looking at Trevor Lawrence and what's going on around him, and looking at his face sometimes now these last couple of weeks. And I think some of it's his disappointment in himself at times, mm-hmm. but not all of it. I see a frustrated young quarterback. Mm-hmm. I see someone who does not trust everything around him. And I'm starting to think, like, I hope his agent's not on the phone. Like, hey, you guys better figure this out or we're not playing football next year here. <laughs> no, I, mean, I mean, listen, we live forbid. in a world where you can ask for a trade any yeah. day of the week. I know. I don't think so. I'm not, I hope, I'm not predicting no, yeah, that's yeah, going to happen. Yeah, I'm just I saying mean, it crossed my mind. No, for he sure. He looks that frustrated out no, there does. on the field. He does. Uh, you know, watching the, the, like the, the, the film version... When Agumba Wale dropped that ball, yeah, it was written all over his face. And this is a guy, and you said it before, this is a guy who is not accustomed to losing number one, but I don't think he's not accustomed to, like, not having what he needs at his disposal, right? I mean, he had weapons nonstop at Clemson, and now you come to Jacksonville, and yeah, injuries are a thing, injuries happen, but, man, you know, it's just, you get the sense right now, and I'm kind of repeating what I said earlier on the show today, but you get the sense that whether it's Bevel calling the shots, Schottenheimer, whatever the case may be, these guys on offense, they are not being set up for success right now. Yeah, they are not. And I think he's feeling that. Like, mm-hmm. I think if you look at Trevor Lawrence the first 10 weeks, mm-hmm. he was like, hey, listen, hey, it's coming. We're getting it. Well, we're going to fix it. it. You, you get to put faith in your coach where it's like, okay, I'm, I'm going to trust that you know what we're doing. And, and yeah. listen, I'm, I'm a rookie quarterback here. I'll put my faith in you. We'll get it done. We'll improve. I- I'm well, making mistakes. Yeah. They're making mistakes, but we're going to get it. We still have nine games to go, we're right? We got you. We still, well, now the last couple weeks, he was very frustrated, and it kind of stung him, as in their words, when he didn't get the job done in Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. But yesterday was, yeah, I might not have got my job done. I felt it was a little more like, hey, is this stuff ever going to get fixed? Mm-hmm. 
Like, are, are we going to ever run the right routes to the landmarks that we said in practice? Are we going to block in the key spots? Are we going to catch? Now, he did get some help on some nice catches by James Robinson and Marvin Jones. Mm -hmm. Are our coaches going to call the right plays? Why is it taking this long to figure out the offense and what we want to be? We're in December almost. Don't, like, forget, don't forget about the quarterback sneak though thing too, yeah. where he kind of said one thing and then Urban Meyer says another thing. Yeah, and, and I sense like I sensed a little bit of. I mean, I can only cover up so much, yeah. you know. Um, and I, I'm only going. To, I, I really would like to call people out here, but I can't. That's sure. what I sensed yesterday. That's part of the quarterback's job. I mean, Blake Bortles did that for four years, you know, mm -hmm. or five years. That, that's but. And I'm not listen. He's not in the tank. He's not done. He'll have his ups and downs. I just felt like for the we're really seeing a frustrated Trevor Lawrence. The losses are piling up. The off the the lack of touchdowns, lack of production, lack of growth. I think he sees it. He knows it. He knows what good is. He he knows this isn't good. And again, don't get me wrong. I'm not taking all the blame out of him. I think he has played inconsistent, mm. and his accuracy has been inconsistent. But, man, it's hard to find too many players outside of James Robinson and, and a couple of plays here or there like um, Marvin Jones' catch that have really helped him elevate his game, too. And I think that goes for the coaches. Yeah. So that's frustrating. Yeah. yeah. And he's, 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 too, he's too mature and he knows how it works. He's not going to say that. No, I mean, you, you can't. You're in no position as a rookie quarterback to call out your coaches. You can't call out your teammates. You just got to swallow it and you got to move on. But, no, it's definitely, I mean, especially the penalties, too, when you see the response to the penalties, like the false starts yes. and all that. Yeah, I mean, but who wouldn't be frustrated? And that's what get, the sense of his frustration to me is like, listen, I'm getting us lined up. Mm -hmm. Or get the play in and get in here, the right package. Not seven seconds left on the play clock. Yeah. I don't think I that's just, him as much as it is everything else around him. Maybe it is him, though. You just don't know. That's the problem. Yeah. I don't want to make excuses for Trevor Lawrence because, like you said, he has to share uh, a lot of the blame as well. But, like, watching that game yesterday and really the past two games now, uh, I, I keep going back to J.J. Watt when he goes to Deshaun Watson after their season. He yeah. goes, hey, man, we wasted your year, and I'm sorry. Yeah. Like, that's that's what we're getting we're to. We're getting and close that's to that. not a good feeling that. We're getting really close to that. That's a good point. I'm not glad good. you bring that back up, but we're yeah. close to that. Yeah. All right, uh, that's going to do it for a Monday. Uh, coming up next, got uh, Casey Kurtz and Brian Middleton, Action Sports Shacks. Overtime, 6 to 6.30, and then all the way until 7 on the social media platforms. And then 7.30 tonight, it's the Seahawks and the football team playing on ESPN at 690. We'll have Jags Report Live coming up at Sneakers and Jack's Beach. James Robinson will be there. I'll take it easy on him, I think. Maybe not. <laughs> 7 o'clock on Fox 30 uh, as well, Jags Report Live. Have a good night, everybody.